Why did God need to give a new covenant? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project, and with me as always is Brian Dembozik, our managing editor. So Brian, today we are taking a look at um, yet another important passage of scripture. One of these days we will look at an unimportant passage. I don't know what that would be. I don't know. I don't know. Because well, all scripture is important. But. Exactly, exactly. I mean, but I'm sure someone was like, eh, this passage, eh. Well, you know, in a few weeks, we're going to get to Obadiah. And so someone's <laughs> probably going to say, say Obadiah, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so, but that's an important passage too. Absolutely, absolutely, and we'll we'll get into that one really well in 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 just a few weeks. But um, we are looking at an important prophecy from the book of Jeremiah, um, and specifically from Jeremiah thirty one. Um, but before we dig into it, and actually even before, uh, because it's a short enough passage of scripture that we actually have time to read the whole thing on air today, um, which is really exciting. That's exciting. I know. It'll be the most important thing that you guys hear on this entire exactly. episode is not our words, the, word. the word of God. That's right. But before we get there, um, let's, let's put God off. No, let's talk about what God has done to lead up to this this moment. Okay, we can Brian. do that too. There you go. So let's let's talk about a little bit about the context of this before we get started. Yeah, well, we know that Jeremiah was the uh, the weeping prophet. So he's mm-hmm. writing to God's people in the final days. This is like six oh five ish, right before the captivity is going to come upon them. So I mean, these, these are the final days. Destruction's coming. Um, what he and others prophesied about uh, the the other prophets is is coming to bear quickly and we know that these are dark days it's been dark days but it's it's really dark right now right it just uh, keeps getting yeah, dark which is why i mean jeremiah is is considered the weeping prophet yeah. he had such a message of distress for the people as god is is seeming amping up this these warning messages mm-hmm. this you know this last one hey this is it guys yeah. pay attention here it comes so these are really really troubling days uh god's people continue to stubbornly rebel against him um again exile is, is coming quickly mm-hmm. um and so this is a message though in the middle of when you read through jeremiah just a lot of kind of doom this is a beacon of hope right. and a brilliant, bright light in the middle of this this book and mm-hmm. in, in Israel's history. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that is is fascinating about Jeremiah just in general and, um, you know, as we like to often do, we like to get ahead of ourselves and even our format. But I mean, if you if you if you want to think about something that you could take away from just reading Jeremiah as a whole um, from the entire book from. Um, if you uh, if you hold to Jeremiah being the writer of Lamentations as well, which mm-hmm. um, most of us I think would uh, would affirm that yeah. historic belief, um, that all of the fruit of his ministry came after his death, and so during during the time during his lifetime, um, and. We tend to look at we tend to look at ministry as you know if you're fruitful that means that you that you are seeing more and more and more converts, um, you which know, is an important fruit. which is an absolute which is an important one. But as you're saying, but, 
Um, so, but, so, I mean, we, so in many churches, um, for better or for worse, we measure that in, in three ways. Um, butts and seats, baptisms, and um, dollars. I didn't have a third B bucks for that in, one. Bucks in the plate. Bucks in the plate. There you go. Thank you. You are a much better Baptist than I am. I've so. been a Baptist for a long time, that's, much longer than you. That's also true. So, um, <laughs> I'm an adult convert, folks. I've always been Baptistic, though. So <laughs> always. Well, as a as long as I've been a believer, I was born yes. a Baptist. I was born a Baptist. <laughs> I've been a Baptist what? all my life. <laughs> No, you haven't. Okay, let's keep going. We're going to get ourselves fired. So, um, but with <laughs> Jeremiah, one thing to understand is is that um, arguably during the lifetime of his, during his lifetime in his ministry as a both a priest and a prophet, he had a grand total of maybe one convert who was his assistant. Yep, that's it. Yeah, it, it is encouraging to to us, and it's it's a uh, it's a way to reorient reorient our thinking. That that you're right that we tend to measure important. I yeah. mean, again, baptisms and so forth, conversion are yeah. incredibly yeah. important. Generosity matters. Exactly. All of these things do but matter. In my experience, the intangible ways, the intangible measurements mean so much, and it's they're harder to 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 quantify and qualify, but. I mean, life change. That's what we're after. Mm-hmm. So I want to see, I, I want to gauge how fruitful is my ministry by the level of joy in, in my people, by by their love for Christ and by their actions and behavior, which, right. again, we hope leads to convert. Right. And really, um, that's what we see summed up in this prophecy yeah. that Jeremiah has. So, Brian, how about you read that for us? Oh, sure. I will do the reading this time so you don't trip over Correct. like last time. Correct. All right. This is Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 40. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, this one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, even though I am their master. And of course, parenthetic. Parenthetically, by me here, that's referring to the Moses covenant, Mosaic covenant, Mm -hmm. Uh, the Lord's declaration, verse 33. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. This is what the Lord says. The one who gives the sun for light by day, the fixed order of moon and stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea and makes its waves roar. The Lord of armies is his name. If this fixed order departs from me before, this is the Lord's declaration. Only then will Israel's descendants cease to be a nation before me forever. This is what the Lord says. Only if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below explored will I reject all of Israel's descendants because of all they have done. And this is the Lord's declaration. Verse 38. Look, the days are coming, the Lord's declaration, when the city from the tower of Hanael to the corner gate will be rebuilt for the Lord. A measuring line will once again stretch out straight to the hill of Garib and then turn toward Goa. 
the whole valley, the corpses, the ashes, and all the fields as far as the Kidron Valley to the corner of the horse gate to the east will be holy to the Lord. It will never be uprooted or demolished again. Do you notice how I sold those names without even hesitating on them? That was good. Thank you for doing that. Made it up on the fly. That's all right. Our Hebrew scholars will be able to send me an email and correct me. They will absolutely correct you. Um, And that is just fine. That's right. Because I like when people correct you. (laughs) So, um, so Brian, uh, thank you for reading that, that big passage. It is, uh, and as we said at the beginning, we really do mean it when we say that's the most important thing you're going to hear on this show today, because there's nothing more important than hearing the word of God, reading the word of God, studying the word of God and being transformed by the word of God. Um, so in light of that, what questions should be we, we be asking as we are seeking to study and be cha- shaped by it? Yeah, the first one I think is really important is what is a covenant? Mm-hmm. Now, if if you are studying through Scripture, uh, if you are doing the Gospel Project, for example, we have rubbed shoulders with covenant a few times, going mm-hmm. back to Abraham and so forth. Um, this one references the covenant with Moses. Um, that that he got at Sinai. Uh, it's a nice little contrast between writing on tablets and writing on the heart. Um, so we we may have already rubbed shoulders with covenant, but we want to make sure that we clarify this in our minds and getting ahead of ourselves. If we're teaching, we want to make sure that it, whoever's there understands this as well. Yeah. So when we think of covenant, biblical covenant more precisely, we, we have to understand a biblical covenant is not a contract. Sometimes yes. we, we think they're interchangeable and they're really not. A contract tends to be conditional, mm-hmm. um, always conditional. You think yeah. about it. I, I like to use the the idea of joining a gym or something. You sign a contract. There's a, there's a length of time, so it's not ongoing. You you sign a one-year contract. You pay X number of dollars. Mm-hmm. The, the gym doesn't come to you after a year and say, oh, you're obligated to do more. No, you say, no, it had, it had a limitation. Yeah. And there are also um, – there are restrictions and clarifications of what will keep that contract valid. So, for example, the contract wouldn't say it like this. It'd say it better. But basically, hey, Brian, as long as you pay 50 bucks a month, you're still you're a member here. Yeah. So I can't show up without paying and saying, no, no, I, I'm entitled. They'd say, no, you violated the contract. And, right. And conversely, the, the gym agrees to do certain things. Right. So there are certain ways that the contract continues to be in a for, in a forced, and there are ways that it can be terminated, and it can end by itself. There can be a limitation. Right. Absolutely. All of that is in contrast to biblical covenants, which are binding. Mm. Now, there are two types of biblical covenants. Mm-hmm. One is an unconditional covenant, which there, as soon as God makes it so, like this is an unconditional, there is nothing. I mean, it, it's fixed. It's firm. Yeah. The other is what's called a conditional covenant. Um, some people believe the covenant God made with Abraham in Genesis 12 was conditional upon him leaving. But even that, once he left, if it were, if it was right. conditional, once he left, it's enacted and then it becomes unconditional. Right. It becomes binding. So really at the heart of God's covenants that are active, they are binding. They cannot be ended by either party. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, so it's another way to say it is um, if you want to just say it in a sentence, a con- think about a contract as an agreement between two parties where um, – where a covenant is a promise or a pledge, there is there's something that's much deeper yeah. than um, than simply I will do I will do X by this time. 
um, and certainly more than an employment contract or anything like that because that's a great example of what a contract looks like today. Yep. Um, and there are things that are covenants that we do often treat in our culture as contracts. Yes. Um, marriage, marriage is a good example yep. of that. Um, we we treat we treat everything as temporary. Exactly. Um, but God doesn't, and that's that's something that we have to be aware of and we have to be thankful for. Um, by the same by the same note. Um, this imagery of God's teaching being written on the hearts of his people, this contrast between um, between tablets of stone and being written on flesh. And we see this kind of imagery throughout mm-hmm. um, throughout the later prophetic writings. Um, we need to we need to think about what does that actually mean? And ultimately, what that's coming down to is in just a couple of words is God is promising internal transformation. What he's saying is, is that this covenant is not based upon um, his people's external actions on modifying their behavior on if you if you start doing what you're supposed to do and what I've said from the beginning, this is what you're supposed to do, then I will be your God and then and you will be yep. my people. It's I'm going to change who and what you are. I'm going to give you a new heart. And that will make you my my people. Yeah, and, and then that, you will want to obey me. And that's what the problem of Israel was. Their their hard hearted hearts. Yes, were were preventing them from repenting and listening to God and following Him. And so right. you, that was the thing. That you need a heart transplant. You need mm-hmm. this tender heart, this soft heart, this heart of flesh that God will give. It's an act of His. Mm-hmm. And through that heart, you will be able to love Him and serve Him and right. obey Him. Right. And and so what's important here is is that when we think about um when we think about how we serve people as Christians, um we cannot we cannot stop simply at um telling people what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. We have to we have to get to um I, we I mean let's be honest, what we do does matter. Yes. And we'll get to this. Uh, we'll get to this again toward the end of this. But what we do matters. But it's who ultimately who is at the heart of the change that is yeah. required. We can't stop there. We can't say um, just go and do more. It's actually, guys, the reason that you that you don't obey is because of yeah. um, because of this problem that we all have, which is called sin, and we and. We can't solve that yep. by changing what we do. It's like it's um, as my uh, my boss has put it um, in in the context of a different conversation. He's like, it's like putting a lipstick on a pig. Um, at that's that's ultimately what it is. You're trying yes. to pretty up something that can't be prettied up. Well, I, I can think about it this way: it's when we when we approach this, this is going to sound like a birthing breathing exercise, but uh-huh. it's it's who who how who. <laughs> just just breathe who who how who um it's it's who god is in terms of who he made us yep then we worry about how to live in light of that and then the final who is so that we can draw attention to who god is right and bring him glory so it's who who how then who mm-hmm. a lot of times what we do is we just focus on the how or the what right but who who what who doesn't sound as good i don't think no, but I mean, you could you could get a good song going out of that. You so, could. There you go. Or, or but, give birth to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, 
on that note, there's no good transition from the, from that, <laughs> Brian. I'm sorry, uh, but uh, let's think about this. Let's think about this need for for the who, the who there. We know that ultimately, if we you know if we have been Christians for any significant period of time, ultimately we know who the answer to that is. Yes, and that is Jesus. And so, how does this passage point us to him? How does it not? This passage drips Jesus, of course. Oh, of course. Uh, this is a gimme. This is a layup. While his name is not here, we know that Jesus is the way this new covenant would come to pass. He, this is what he mentions mm-hmm. at, at the Lord's Supper. Or the yeah, Last he says, Supper, this, is my, this is my blood of the new covenant poured exactly. out for you. This is my body broken for you. And all of it is about the new, co- the exactly. new covenant. Exactly. It's pointing back to this. So, the new covenant, this, this idea, how does... How do hearts get changed? How do people live differently? How what we just talked about? It's all through Christ. Right. So Christ is the one who establishes the new covenant. He fulfills the new covenant. He's the one that brings us into the new covenant through faith in Him, um, and He's the one who enables us to guide living faithfully to the new covenant in right. light of it. So, yeah, it's it's all about Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So let's think about this. Let's think about this passage from the perspective of someone who is discipling another, or whether they're whether they're doing that in a group setting with with kids, with youth, with um, with yeah. other adults, or in a one on one context. What kind of guidance can we offer um, in working through this passage? Well, let me let me start. I'll throw out two. The first one, because yeah. it's it's pretty quick. We've already said it. it we have to be careful to, to differentiate between a contract and a covenant. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it, keep in mind, while you th- if you're teaching through the Gospel Project, for example, and you likely have covered this, you should have. Yeah. Don't assume all your people were there and don't assume they remember. Yes. So, so go do it again. Um, y- we can cover the same ground without insulting our people. Um, we need to be reminded of it. So just be clear to, to parse contracts and covenants. The second takeaway or the second thing to keep in mind is I think this passage really helps us. And we've seen this a lot through our study of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. It should help us to appreciate the benefits of where we are on this side of Christ's first coming. You think about what Old Testament Israel yearned for. Think about what they needed here. Think about the situation they were they were stuck in because of their, their stone hearts. Mm-hmm. And think about us, this side of the cross, having all of Scripture, uh, having being part of the new covenant, having the Holy Spirit. Think about the benefits, the blessings that we have as followers of Christ, what Old Testament saints yearn for, and what Old Testament unregenerate Israel <laughs> missed completely. This, this, these are passages that should cause us just to, um, just to have a deep sense of gratitude, all an appreciation of God and His kindness to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the two other things that are that are here as well um, that we really want to help people point to is is we want to help. You're going to want to help whoever it is that you are that you're working through this passage with um to really to yearn for the return of Christ mm. um because what we see in this passage is still incomplete um yes. like there is this this finality to to the covenant in those last two verses it's the already not yet that we're experiencing yeah exactly yeah. and that's um yeah that is a that's a really helpful um way of describing it that that People have been using for many, many years, um, but basically that there are that 
we experience many of the benefits of of the new covenant, the new covenant yeah. of being part of God's people now, but there is something more to come. We haven't seen it in its fullness. There's something that's going to be so much better. So the good of this world is paling in comparison to the greatness of what's to come because the bad of this world that we that we still endure, including the including the echoes of sin in our lives, will be gone. Um, and so. Um, but part of this finality that is there is, uh, particularly if you look at verse 40, where it says that, um, he's talking about the whole, the whole valley. So every, so where God's people dwelt, mm-hmm. um, will never be uprooted or demolished again. There's their judgment will be no more. There will be no more. F- there won't be the fear of the consequences of sin because sin will be no more yeah. in the lives of God's people. But in the, this, and this is that last thing that we need to look at is that um, it falls into that already not yetness that we just talked about, because in the meantime, while we wait, we cannot and should not act as though there are not consequences for sin and we cannot and should not act as though um, there is no expectation that we would pursue obedience to God's commands. What that means is, is that um, we don't have a blank check to do whatever we want. We don't yeah. get to say, just because we've said we we believe in Jesus, um, we don't get to go and fall, do whatever whatever pleases us. Yeah, our sin, our sin is gone, right? right. It's it's right. Iniquity's been removed as far as the east from the west. So, right. So therefore, nothing I do counts. So let's party. Yeah. Um, that's not what that's not what this means, and that's not what any um, whatever your whatever your theological camp is within within the bounds of um, Orthodox Christianity. No one who is a true Christian believes yeah. that. Um, but it's really easy to start thinking that if you're not careful or worse, build straw men arguments against people to try and say that they do. Yeah. Um, and we don't want to pick fights. So um, because that's not what Christians are supposed to do either. Um, but um, what it means is that we have we actually have some good news here, though, in this already not yetness, because even though there is this clear command to to go and obey and to follow God's commands. Um, God doesn't leave us alone to do that because we have a new heart because he writes his law on on it. He gives us the desire to do so. And in the new covenant, he gives his spirit to dwell within us and he enables us and equips us to do it. So, uh, so Brian, I think this is, I think this is a good place for us to to wrap up. Without mentioning that Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Yes, especially without that. Did you really think we're going to get through this whole episode without Jeremiah was a bullfrog? I had hoped. I'm here to disappoint you. Well, thank you for that. And listeners, thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.